Hey, it's Chell. And Josh. And welcome, welcome to, to the Unstuck, Unstuck Institute. Institute. Stuck in a day job you hate? Not sure how to start and grow your own business? The Unstuck Institute podcast is all about helping you take your next step on the road to working for yourself. Hey, hey, Unstuckers. Josh here, as joined every week by my co-host, Chell. Say what's up, Chell. Hey, hey, Unstuckers. We are back for another rousing episode of the Unstuck Institute podcast. And this week, we have returning guest, although you may not know about it, Holly Margell. We had technical difficulties last time we tried to interview her, um, and the sound file didn't work. So we got a great interview, uh, and you didn't hear it. But this time... We got a great interview again because she's just a wealth of knowledge, and we uh, we we think we have all the technical hiccups figured out. So you're going to hear it now. <laughs> Dude, I love talking to Holly. I'm happy that we've had the opportunity to speak to her again, and she's sharing such a wealth of knowledge with you guys, not only about photography, but some of her other passions as well. Yeah, and she's got great practical advice for business owners of any type, but so whether you're a photographer or not, you're definitely going to want to hear this. So without further ado, our interview with Holly Margell. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. My name is Holly Margell, and I am the person behind Native Light Photography. I started this business in 2015, and it really came from, you know, from about the time I was six until I was 33 to figure that out. Um, I love photography. I've always been curious about it. I was the kid who got a Polaroid camera when she was 10 years old and always taking pictures whenever I had the chance. I have actually found some Polaroids where I was posing stuffed animals together, like couples, <laughs> taking their pictures. So, like, I've been working it for a while. Um, <laughs> Were these paying clients at that point? No, oh, no, okay. but you know, I, I should have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kids today could. Was it at least good exposure? Like, did they print your uh, pictures in a <laughs> in stuffed animals quarterly or something like that? Yeah, stuffed animals vogue. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. So, you know, I was really encouraged. Um, actually, at a younger age, so I won a blue ribbon at Puyallup Fair for with a portrait of my mother when I was six. So that nice. was kind of fun. Um, but realistically, I kind of had this idea that I really needed a day job and that photography couldn't be a full-time gig. And um, and I worked and I, I like tried out a lot of different things. I tried out, first I fell in love with photojournalism and then um, that translated really well to wedding photography. I was an assistant at 18 to a wedding photographer who still used medium format cameras, which are like the giant cameras with the big rolls of film. My mm -hmm. job was to roll the film, schlep the equipment and herd people. <laughs> 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 which if you've never had a wedding pre-COVID, you don't know how, how busy and chaotic that can be. Um, and I mm. found out really quickly that I really enjoyed people and I had a knack for putting people at ease. And so um, anyways, back to the story. I was a person doing it on the side just for fun and uh, to earn money to buy more gear. And then um during the day, weeks, whatever, I had day jobs, often working for small business owners. I've never worked for a large corporation. And when I had a big loss in my life, I lost somebody very dear to me um, who was only 20 years older than me. So when she passed away, I was like, oh my gosh, if I die in 20 years, because she was 53, I was 33, 
well, I have lived the life that I wanted to live, right? And mm-hmm. so I kind of did that whole, like, what am I doing with my life and where am I going? And, how... <laughs> and so I decided I really have always wanted to do photography full-time. So I did my research because I love research and figured out that, that the market for weddings and families was pretty darn saturated in the Seattle area. And I had a heart for small business owners. And I also was married and had two school aged elementary school age children at the time. And they had been doing, starting to do sports, right? And guess what happens when sports events happen on the weekends. And so I was like, okay, I want to build a business around the lifestyle that I want to have, which I wanted to work weekdays and not on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to have flexibility to volunteer and show up in my kids' lives. And so I built Native Light Photography, and I chose the name because I wanted something that could be bigger than me, scalable, have a lot of flexibility, and not just me as an artist, which a lot of photographers name their business after their name. So right. I also chose the name because um, I wanted to honor my Native American heritage. I'm a registered member of the Eastern Shawnee Tribe of Oklahoma. And so that's been really cool because it sparked conversation. Most people are like, why Native Light Photography? And then I made able to talk about how native people still exist <laughs> and I'm one of them that's awesome <laughs> and so um you know I have I'm a, I'm a real medley of my DNA I have a lot of other parts to me but it's kind of fun to represent that and I think relevant too so um so that's where that's where I came from and that's why I started my business and I work with career professionals and business owners and I help them with everything from a simple straightforward classic headshot to branding and website images that they can use to show the world what they do make and create that's awesome um one thing I want to I want to get back to there because I think a lot of people can identify uh what I just heard was someone who who kind of always knew what they wanted to do, which isn't everybody out there, right? But a lot of people know what they want to do. And you, instead of instead of some people explore and they can't figure out exactly what they want to do while they're growing up and stuff, and then they find it, you knew, but you kind of lost your way in the faith that that could, that could be your work, right? So you always knew what you liked and what you wanted to do, but you went for the day job route yes. for, for safety. Yeah. And, and to, you know, pay for the equipment that you thought at that time would just always be your hobby. So, so that's pretty cool to, to see that, you know, maybe a, maybe a tragic part of the story where you, you had your wake up call, but still you decided, no, I've always known and you made it happen. And that's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, Because I think there's a lot of people out there who always knew what they wanted to do and still aren't doing it because they're afraid to, for whatever reason. And so I think I wanted to point that out because you're, you're a really inspiring story for that, for that reason. Um, so very cool. Very cool. All right. I think, I think we got like kind of the, the narrative arc of your story down, um, but we still don't really know you. So are you ready for our hard hitting three questions? Yes. Let's do this. Three questions. All right, Holly. <laughs> First question, what is your bucket list travel destination? Croatia. Okay. Croatia. Because? Why, why Croatia? Yeah, so there's an amazing national park there that was protected, or not necessarily protected, but they, like, during World War II, they agreed to not fight there. Oh, wow. It's got, like, these amazing natural wonders. Also, I'm a huge, like, genealogy geek, and um, my grandmother's family is from Croatia, so I would love to visit. Cool. And you really are a mutt. That is quite a combination. 
(laughs) (laughs) Yes. Very cool. All right. Question number two. If you could choose, what would be your last meal? Yes. Okay. So this is going to sound really funny because it's so simple, but bruschetta is like my favorite food. And the reason why is because it's not just bread with stuff on it. It's like balsamic vinegar, tomato juices, basil, garlic on crusty, crunchy bread. It's just like, mm, mm, You just described all of the flavors in like one perfect bite. Umami, like bitter, salty, sweet, crunchy isn't really a flavor, but like all of that together. Yes, girl, 100% all about that. <laughs> yeah, the, the chef's going to go so on. Much. Yeah. <laughs> the chef's going to go on and on about the flavors. I'm just going to go get some. I'm hungry now. <laughs> it goes fast in this house, I'll tell you that. No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't All right. it go fast in every house though? Right? <laughs> my husband refuses to eat fresh tomatoes, so bruschetta would last a decent amount of time in my place. Oh. Well, yeah. if you need a guest to come over and 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 Take care of that for you. Just let me know. <laughs> so for the non, so we have one non-tomato lover in our household, and he likes the taste, like the juices of mm. the bruschetta mix, on soft bread, <laughs> like crunchy bread. Interesting. Okay. So he'll like scoop out the, you know, because it's saucy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And drizzle it on his. In soft Italian, bread. that's called scarpetta. <laughs> oh, okay. Like dip the bread in it, scarpetta. Yeah. 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 There you go. So maybe that'll work. (laughs) I like that tip. All right. And final question. What is your favorite hobby that doesn't make you money? Yeah. So I kind of touched on this previously. So I'm really into genealogy, not for faith or religious reasons, but simply because I think it's fascinating to look at our our heritage and kind of see where we came from. Very cool. Very cool. I'm starting to get the bug on that just a little bit. I'm like, ah, oh, I need to find some time to really like delve into my own family oh, stuff. There's so much that you can <laughs> access online. online now. It's crazy. I know. There is it's a, a great, website. Great time to be alive for that. To search <laughs> headstones at cemeteries. That's Headstone like cemetery. That's like it's one really of my weird. favorite things to do. Like be in the Northeast, like just walk through a cemetery and read the epitaphs in like old English voices, you know? <laughs> so yeah so so you know you can pretty much find any I, I i accidentally stumbled upon it looking for somebody's like great grandfather and there's this whole like site dedicated to volunteers uploading smartphone photos of headstones in cemeteries and just type in a name and try to find it wow wow that's nice. super cool very cool yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to Google that. Chell, do you want to continue the interview? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. See, I could derail you all, all about what I know. That's, so. I mean, that's yeah, why so you're here because you are a, a bundle of knowledge and we are very excited to dive deeper into this. So you mentioned earlier that you really like working with small businesses and doing headshots in particular. Do you find that for marketing purposes, like people need to show their face? Absolutely. I think now more than ever, people are making purchasing decisions not only about the service that you provide and the price point you have, but whether or not they like you as your business story and believe in you as a person, right? So we have a lot of um, interesting social accountability happening in the United States in particular, where it's like, oh, I want to hire a house painter and I want a house painter who cares about the environment. So 
I want to see a picture of the person, hear a little bit more about them and their practices, whether or not they meet those ethics that I hold personally. So yeah, absolutely. I think showing up uh, and showing up and kind of telling them a little bit more about you rather than just simply what you do in your service is super powerful. Yeah, that's great. Have So as a photographer, um, do you find that there's a I guess my question is there's there's kind of a style of of either like a very uh, uh what would you call it like portrait shot professional yeah. portrait look at the camera smile tilt your head 45 degrees something like that I'm a bad photographer I don't know what, exactly what you say <laughs> like but, <prom> photos. <laughs> yes uh-huh. that versus the like the, the candid shot and the candid shot is more about the the personality behind it and less about the professionalism right because I've seen very professional looking like very clean, beautiful lighting, et cetera, can't quote unquote candid shots, right? Where people, oh, you caught me just giggling at myself. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh yeah. Those are totally staged candids. Yeah. Yeah. Staged <laughs> yeah. candid. That would be the yeah. term. So there's, so I see there's like professional and I see a lot of staged candid. And then I see a lot of like actual like selfie and, and mm-hmm. less professional looking, but like actual candid shots. Um, do you find that, any of those in particular are the way to go to connect with people as a business owner to show that you're like a real person? Or do you find that that certain types of uh, photography lend itself to different places, you know, either social medias or websites or print material or whatever? You know, I think it really depends on the type of business that you are in and the type of industry. So for example, if you're in finance, you're a financial advisor or you're a banker or you do mortgage lending or something very traditional like that. I mm-hmm. think that the, you know, the expectation is to see something a lot more professional and polished. It's really funny because I just had a consultation with somebody who works in the finance and he was like, okay, so we're doing a new website and all of our headshots are good, but they're really stiff because the photographer they had hired had them all in the exact same, basically mugshot straightforward pose. They're in their mm-hmm. suit and ties, but it's the exact same picture every single person. And yeah. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, so you want to come across more personable, more fun. So that means you need a lot of different poses and not have everybody in the same position. So, but still suit and tie, because that's the aesthetic and the look and feel for their industry. So I think it's a mix and it kind of depends on what what area you're in and also kind of like what what do you want to express through those portraits? So for example, I think real estate is a great example of an area that is so broad. You know, you mm-hmm. have the real estate agents who have the who have the dress shirt on, but it's unbuttoned two buttons and you can see a little bit of the collarbone, right? And then you have the real estate agents who want to look like they could be on the cover of Vogue. And then you have the real estate agents who are totally just winging it with a selfie. So it, <laughs> it really depends on how you want to be perceived, what's that first impression you want to make, right? And then what kind of personality do you have? Are you really poised and buttoned up and professional in your um, interactions with people? Or are you more personable and um, funny, right? Um, So I think it depends on your industry and who you are as a business owner, no matter which industry you're in. You can get playful in corporate outfits and you can get... Um, stoic in <laughs> fun flamboyant outfits it just depends I think that that's really interesting that you I mean I mean it makes sense right like 
based off of the industry. I think there might, I think it might be broken down even further to like the different social platforms that you're on. For example, like maybe those realtors are going to be found mostly on LinkedIn, right? So like that inherently is more of a, I don't know, like uptidy business social media platform. Whereas maybe they're, you are taking different photos of them and they do have more of like a, hey, you guys aren't seeing what I'm doing because this is a podcast, but like, I'm a little bit more lax <laughs> <Yeah>. here. Um, <laughs> yeah. And maybe that's something that they use on their Instagram feed versus their LinkedIn profile. So I don't know if you're seeing like people asking for different styles of photos, even within like that niche so that they can use it on different social media platforms and kind of just be a little bit more lax in certain areas and a little bit more professional in others. Absolutely. And I think that's where the stage candidates come into play so well um, that Josh mentioned earlier. So, you know, for a LinkedIn profile, your face is like 50 by 50 pixels, right? And so you can't show a whole lot except your face and a little bit of your background. So I do think it, it depends on platform. And then again, it depends on, you know, what story are you, what story are you telling across platforms? Like I just had a really cool experience where I was recommended in a Facebook group for my neighborhood in Seattle and somebody recommended me and I was able to see it soon enough to respond like right away, second comment. Right. And then I was at the grocery store three hours later and the cashier was like, Oh, hi Holly. And I was like, what? How do you know me? (laughs) And she's like, Oh, I saw you on such and such Facebook group. You're all, you know, I didn't know you were a photographer. And I was like, yeah, I am. That's so cool <laughs> and also really weird. Right, but it was a little it was a little a little awkward for me, but also like wow, this is the power of social media, right? We are putting our story and ourselves out there, and really what it's doing is it's creating um community pollination, right? So, we're in communities online and in real life. And as we engage and interact with them more and more, we're going to start seeing more of that pollination happen. Mm. It's funny you, you mentioned the power of social media because I, I just, just yesterday, actually, I was um, at my shop, a client came in and my dog is always with me at the shop pretty much. And, and she came in and she went, oh my God, Penny, social media famous or Facebook famous. <laughs> yeah. And, and exactly what you're saying, although I'm not doing it intentionally and I'm not doing it for my business, but pretty much what I share on social media is my dog. And uh, and that's not the first comment I've had like that in the last few months because I'm like, oh, oh, wow. So people are like paying attention. They see me on social media. And, and the only story I'm telling is I have a cute dog. That's right. That's right. It's like, man, I should really get intentional about telling a different story. <laughs> well, it's not a bad part of your story, right? So don't no, give yourself too not. much flack. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's exactly <laughs> everything you put out there is being seen. You just don't know what every like who's paying attention. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I'm like, oh, it actually works. Yeah, <laughs> there was. So at the end of last year, too, I was doing a lot of um, cover songs musically and just putting them out there as like a. Um, it was just kind of a building my skill set kind of a thing, but I was like, well, what do I do with this now? I guess I'll just post it on Facebook and you know, I get a few likes here and there, but not usually not much. So I didn't think much of it from the, like putting it out there side. It was just like mm-hmm. an exercise for me, but I literally just got paid to do something, uh, create a track for this online musical that's happening because somebody oh. had been noticing all those tracks and they're like, I, I see all your stuff and it's really good. Can you help me with this project? And I was like, sure. And it was like, 
wow awesome. again even if even if you don't necessarily see the likes or something like that coming in people notice and people do like in their head so <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right you don't know how many so, like uh, like true visibility how much true visibility you're getting yeah and yeah it's totally fascinating so is there any any tips or tricks that you would say to um how to use you know photography whether a professional photographer or even if you're just doing stuff with your phone um how to make sure that you are you know telling your story and coming across as a real person and and such like that yeah so i want to speak first to the professional photography piece so i think that it's awesome to have professional photos taken of you and have a mixture of you know the headshot to the candid candid stage candids that kind of show you in like the best light with really nice editing and whatnot um, but also mix in real photos like those people love people love 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 behind the scenes stuff so pro what's your process what do you how are you building whatever it is you're building how are you preparing for whatever it is you're presenting something like that and then keep in mind that you everything you put out online is part of your story so um i know not everybody is as is, is intentional from the start like you with penny but like you can start your story at any time you can pivot your story at any time so my advice is remember that people are watching and do a mix of different kinds of images. They don't all have to be perfect. Absolutely. I think that is really solid advice because not everyone sees everything, right? So like mixing it up, showing different sides of yourself is, is just going to attract the right people to you. The more real you are, the more authentic you are, the more people can relate to you. And if you're a good fit, I mean, oh yeah, that's awesome. You know? Right. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, so Holly, as we, as we wrap up here, is, is there one uh, bit of encouragement or practical advice that you can give to a listener out there if they're just starting out? Yeah, I would say um, be humble and be willing to pivot if you need to pivot. Because sometimes the original idea you have might not work, but it doesn't mean it's a bad idea. It just means that maybe it needs a little bit more you know, finessing or development because you're not really sure like what's going to take off right away. And so, um, keep moving forward. That's my, that's my mantra. Keep moving forward and, and exploring. Or as Dory said, just keep swimming. That is, <laughs> that is another iteration that's very memorable. Yeah. Has seen. Yeah, it's got a whole song to it. Yeah. That's right. Awesome. Well, Holly, thank you so much for taking the time. We really appreciate you uh, listeners behind the scenes. If you weren't aware, we had a whole interview with Holly like a month or so ago that just got lost to the computer ether. So uh, thanks uh, for, for being patient with us and taking the time to have a whole second interview. <laughs> really, of course. really appreciate it. And, and I know the listeners out there will appreciate your wisdom as they're hearing this. Thank you. The Unstuck Institute podcast is brought to you by Chell's Save Time in the Cucina mini course. Experiencing decision fatigue, feeling uninspired to cook, resorting to pre-made meals and ordering in more than you'd like? Check out my Save Time in the Cucina mini course to learn time-saving cooking skills so that even on busy weeknights, you can get a meal on the table in 30 minutes or less. Check out the link in the show notes to learn more. The Unstuck Institute podcast is also brought to you by our awesome new life book. Want to get a handle on your life and where you're going? Lack of productivity keeping you down? 
Download our free workbook to get clear on where you want to go in life and use the Lifebook system to keep yourself on track and be more productive in your life. Download the Unstuck Institute Lifebook today at www.unstuck.institute slash lifebook. Remember, it's free. It's time for a recap. One, people want to know the person behind the business. Show up and tell your story. Two, mixed professional and behind-the-scenes photos to tell your story. Three, be willing to pivot and finesse your offering until you find what takes off. And that's a wrap on episode 148. Website and show notes are at www.unstuck.institute. Remember to follow us on Instagram at unstuck.institute. Check out episodes one, two, and three to learn more about the Unstuck Institute, Josh, and myself. And if you love our podcast and would like to help us out, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps out the show a ton. Leave us a five-star written review to be entered in a drawing to win a 30-minute brainstorming coaching sesh with Josh and myself. For instructions on how to leave a review, check out our website, unstuck.institute. We'll talk to you next week. We'll be talking about being repetitive. What? I said being repetitive. What? I said being repetitive. Bye, Unstuckers. If I die in 20 years, will I have lived the life that I wanted to live?